You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Detroit Free Press columnist Mitch Radio, Mitch Album, also a radio host and author and philanthropist. He has a new book out next week, and it is called The Next Person You Meet in Heaven. You may remember that Mitch also wrote a book called The Five People You Meet in Heaven, and he joins us now to talk about this new book and the philanthropic work that uh, he is deeply involved in. Mitch, welcome to the Hi, Stephen. Today. How you doing? Yeah, I called you Mitch Radio there. Mitch that's Radio. A, that's a new one. <laughs> Do you like that? Maybe that's yeah, a, I don't know. your yeah. name, right? Um, so let's start with the book, uh, The mm. Next Person You Meet in Heaven. Mm. You already wrote about the five people you meet in heaven. Uh, this uh, The book is described as the long-awaited sequel to that first well, long awaited, I think, is probably more by the publishers. Uh, but it is a sequel to the five people you meet in heaven. It's the first time I wrote a sequel ever. And in that first book, uh, the concept was that was my first novel. And yeah. the concept was a, an old man based on an uncle of mine uh, dies at 83 trying to save a little girl from an accident in an amusement park. Mm-hmm. And his whole life he thought he was a nobody and a nothing. And he fixed rides at an amusement park. He pushes her out of the way from a falling cart. He dies instead. He goes to heaven. And he meets five people from his life who show him that this supposedly meaningless life that he thought he led actually Mm -hmm. was extremely meaningful and touched people in all kinds of ways that he didn't know. This book uh, follows the story of the little girl he saved and what happens when a life is saved and how then that life is led. Her name was Annie in the book and everything all kind of follows. It's in the same sort of voice and tone and it follows her about... 20 years later, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and she's her whole life has just been, she, her issue is she feels everything she does in a, is a mistake. And subliminally, this comes from the time that she mistakenly ran the wrong direction, sat on a platform, and had and a man lost his life as, as a counterpart, but she doesn't remember it. She blacked it all out, but, mm-hmm. and her mother kind of skirted her away quickly because she felt guilty about it. So her whole life, she's had this haunting thing. And uh, something happens in her uh, in her early 30s when she gets married, and uh, there's a balloon accident this time. There always seems to be some kind of big accident at the beginning. <laughs> so in the first one, it was an amusement park accident. This one is a balloon ride goes goes bad. <laughs> and uh, she dies trying to save her husband, goes to heaven, meets five people, and one of those five is Eddie from the first book, who finally explains to her everything that happened and why all the mistakes that she thought she made were sort of part of a bigger tapestry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious about um, the story here, and and so so you published uh, you published the five people you meet in heaven in 2003. That's right. Uh, but since then, you've written several other books that are not on this on this subject. Oh right. Uh, yeah. And so now you return to this story. I'm really yeah. curious from a writer's standpoint that's like going back to an old story to tell a new part yeah. of it well that's a really good question and uh part of it the answer is a publishing writing answer and part of the answer is a personal answer uh i know a lot of writers i've got a lot of friends who are writers and they get to write the same character over and over mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. whether it's jack reacher or harry potter or whatever <laughs> and i always sort of I don't want to say envied, but I always kind of wondered what that was like to be able to just say, oh, now I'm going to pick up, I know where they're at, I know who he is, I'm just going to have new adventures. All my books since then, and there have been, I think, six since that one, mm-hmm. they're all one-offs. They start, they end, they finish. Some are nonfiction, some are fiction. <laughs> so the idea of going back to characters that I created 
was appealing to me. And this of all the books I had was probably the one that my readers most said to me, you know, so whatever, so what was the next stage of heaven? Mm -hmm. You know, what happened to the little girl? There were questions that were still unanswered. Personally, you know, in the last few years, I have thought a lot about heaven because I lost my mother, my father, and a little girl that we were raising as our daughter from right. one of our kids from our, the orphanage I operate in Haiti. So heaven has sort of been on my mind. So to answer your question from a writing point of view, what you do first, at least what I did, is you read your old book. Hmm. You read it from cover to cover, <laughs> and you say, so what was it about this? How do I get back into this world? How do I find this voice again? And Stephen, what was funny is it's 15 years, took me about a half an hour, mm -hmm. and I was writing in that voice again, and I, I never lost it. Is that right? Yeah, it's interesting. Wow, wow. Uh, so is that story over in your sense, in, in, in your mind? You mean, uh, might there be the next, next person right, you meet I mean, in heaven? Uh, you go back to these characters, reopen that door, uh, well, do you close it? No, uh, you know, I, I, was, I had more closed it after the first one than after <laughs> this one. The idea of a world where when we die, we have our life explained to us mm -hmm. is kind of something that can fit a lot of different things. So whether it's these same characters or maybe it's a different one, it is sort of a, a backdrop, you know, a stage play that is an interesting way to find out what your life meant. And yeah. so I don't want to close the door on it, but I also just want to see, let's see how the hell we do with this one <laughs> and how I get through it because I've got a few other books planned after this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Mitch Album, Detroit free press columnist, radio host, author, and philanthropist. He has a new book out next week called The Next Person You Meet in Heaven. It is a sequel to the book he wrote in 2003 called The Five People uh, You Meet in Heaven. We are talking about his work, uh, and in a little bit we're going to talk about the philanthropic work that he is uh, deeply involved in. If you want to join the conversation have a question for Mitch, uh, want to talk about uh, his books, his many books, uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you um, uh, into the conversation. Uh, let, let's talk about your work in Haiti, uh, mm -hmm. which for you started after the earthquake there, mm -hmm. just absolutely destroyed uh, 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 most of most of it as, as, as far as I could uh, as far as I could tell um, you're having your book launch event at the Opera House on October 14th right. to raise funds for the have faith mission in Haiti um, remind us of what drew you to, to Haiti and sure. what has kept you there all this time well, what drew me was the earthquake, um, you know, like anybody else. I didn't plan on more than a single trip, but I got involved with this orphanage uh, that had originally been operated by a Detroit pastor. I ended up taking it over that year and have been there ever since. I go every month. Uh, we have 47 children, uh, 41 of which have been admitted since I have been operating it, mm -hmm. which is the hardest part of the process because mm -hmm. you have to decide what child to take, and more importantly, what 10 children not to take. Mm -hmm. The poverty in Haiti, the, the economic situation, the social situation is so, so, so dire, even after the earthquake. And, you know, the earthquake made it very popular for a short period of time until some other, you know, yeah. uh, until we had Katrina or something, you know, or whatever the next one was. I don't remember the order. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, people aren't down there anymore, and it's not fashionable to give to Haiti. But these kids still need 
care. And, mm. uh, you know, I've had, I've had kids taken in that were left to die under trees, you know, out in the woods when they were two weeks old. Kids that were wandering around for two years after the earthquake because their parents were killed and nobody, they didn't have any place to go. They have a child who was taken to a tuberculosis clinic and just left there for two years. Nobody ever came back for him uh, who we've taken in. So the need is great, Stephen, and my heart is with those children. You know, I, I didn't have children of my own. My wife and I uh, did not. And this, for, for us, this is sort of an opportunity to, uh, to you know, have a family mm-hmm. of a certain kind. And um, my goal is that, they, I mean, we built everything there from the toilets to the showers to the school to all the rest and now they all go to school on the premises they learn in uh, two languages in french and english four hours in english three hours in french six days a week and my goal is to get them all college educated Hmm. and in fact two of them my oldest ones are now up here at madonna university as freshmen uh, they got scholarships from the MCA, and uh, one of them's pre-med. And I just saw him last <laughs> night, and he got an A on his biochem. Wow. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, you weren't even speaking English when I met you. So, um, you know, my heart is very much there. And uh, the event that you mentioned at the Opera House, uh, I always try to do charity book launches because, you know, way, way early on, I, I, when authors have books come out, they usually have like cocktail parties or something. Mm-hmm. And I just felt ridiculous. I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> I don't want to be toasted or feted. But I saw it as an opportunity to raise money, give the book out, and, you know, be that kind of a draw. So uh, this event we're having, uh, the funds will go partly to what's called the Chica Fund, named after our little girl who passed away, mm-hmm. uh, to help medical costs for the kids from Haiti. Uh, and then the other part will go to literacy efforts to our kids at the uh, Lipke Center through, say, Detroit here in Detroit. Yeah. Um, you've written about the little girl you adopted yeah. from Haiti who came to live with you and your wife while she was getting treatment for mm. cancer. Um, do you mind talking about the impact no. uh, that she's had on your life and your writing uh, and other things? In every way. Uh, in every way. Uh, I think children teach us the, the most about ourselves. They teach us first and foremost, that the world isn't just about you. Mm -hmm. And uh, she certainly taught us that. Um, I still remember a time when, you know, she had this, she had DIPG, same thing that Chad Carr, uh, the grandson of Lloyd Carr, died from and become a very well-known issue around here. They're always fatal, these tumors. Usually they take a child in five months and we were advised that she'd be dead in five months uh, and we should just take her back to Haiti and let her die there. And I just refused to do that because she was... She was always a brash, kind of bossy kid, and I said, she's a fighter, we're gonna fight. And uh, when the disease had debilitated her to the point that I had to carry her around, she couldn't walk, which didn't dampen her spirit in any way. She was still fun and bossy (laughs) and loud. We were sitting at the table coloring one time, and I looked at my watch, I realized it was late to get down to the radio program, and I said, oh, Chica, I gotta go. And she said, no, no, stay in color. I said, I can't, I have to work. And she said, Mr. Mitch, I have to play. And I said, yeah, but Chica, uh, this is my job. And she said, no, it isn't. Your job is carrying me, you know, like that. And and I've never forgotten that sentence because, of course, out of the mouths of babes, right. that was my job. And Literally that's all of our jobs. metaphorically. Yes. Our job is to carry children and those, those who can't do uh, for themselves. And, um, you know, we had her for two blessed years. I try to look at it as uh, we didn't lose a child. We were given a child. Uh, but my heart goes out to anyone who's trying to deal with a sick child. It's, it's, a, it's a very tough thing, and it, it rips your heart out, and we miss her every day. 
but um, it has also made me realize the preciousness of the other kids that we're raising, sure. who also had to deal with her loss because she was their sister. And so I've become triply dedicated to those kids, to making sure that their safety is protected. And, um, you know, it was a little bit in this book, The Next Person You Meet in Heaven, Annie, at one point, one of her mistakes is that she gets pregnant young and has a, has a baby that dies after a couple of days. And she feels like not only was it a mistake that she got pregnant because she wasn't in love with the guy and they didn't get married, and uh, or they forcefully got married, mm-hmm. and B, she was a, must have been a bad mother because the child was gone in three days and she doesn't even get to count herself in the mother's club, you know. Mm-hmm. And in heaven, she gets to find out what happened to the little baby. And it's not a big stretch to understand that I'm writing a little bit about sure. my own situation. Yeah. Uh- I also wonder, given the, the the long period of time you've been involved in Haiti and and with these children, um, what you think about the sort of larger picture of poverty and lack of opportunity, mm. um, of disaster, what it does to a place. I mean, you've seen Haiti over a, a really long period of time. Uh, you know, uh, what you're doing is changing the lives of these children. At the same time, it's happening in a place where I would imagine there's not a lot of change for everybody else. Well, the change is mostly coming through people who do what I do down there, maybe on a much larger scale. Most of of, of, of the relief work, church work, faith-based stuff is, is what's lifting up a lot of the really poor people. You know, there's money in Haiti, but it's all concentrated at the very, very, very top. Mm-hmm. And when you have a country that's got systemic poverty— and when I mean systemic poverty, I don't just mean without money. If you have to pay to go to school, right. which is the, is the case there, you're already condemning people to poverty because mm-hmm. if you can't afford... We, we have, we, when I got there, there were kids who were 26, 27 years old who were in sixth grade because they went to school when there was money and then they didn't go when there wasn't. So you know, their whole life was six months on, two months off, three months on. So when you have that, when there's no food resources for so many people and the electricity goes off every night at nine o'clock and you're sitting in the dark... You know, you can't, there's no lights on, there's no anything. Uh, The cycle repeats. And, you know, one of the things that I tell our kids is you are not here to get an education, go to America and have a life in America. You're here to get an education. If you want to go to America to get the final part of it, you can. But you are coming back here and you are going to put this place out of business. Mm. You're going to end the cycle that brought you here in the first place. And, you know, they know the worst possible thing they could do is go through there and then have a child out of wedlock or, you know, or put themselves sure. in some situation that repeats what's going on. And, you know, I don't kid myself that I can save Haiti in any way. I'm just there for some little tiny little corner of it, little inch wide piece. Mm-hmm. But if someone else goes down and does an inch and someone else does an inch mm-hmm. and other people get involved and the country itself obviously has to do the most, then maybe, maybe you can make some progress there. But it has been eye-opening. Okay. Yeah. Mitch Album, author of The Next Person You Meet in Heaven, the sequel to The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Thanks very much for being here. Can I just tell you quickly who's going to be at our event? Oh, sure, right, yeah. Uh, So October 14th at the Opera House, yes. uh, uh, Let's see, Anderson Cooper from Mm -hmm. CNN will be there. Uh, Jane Pauley, the host of CBS Sunday Morning, will be there. Bob Costas from NBC Sports will be there. Joe Dumars, the Pistons Hall of Famer, will be there. 
Jim Harbaugh will be joining us from uh, video hookup in Ann Arbor because <laughs> he's preparing for Michigan State that right. week. <laughs> the two stars of the Detroiters uh, will be there, the TV show. Uh, Sophia Bush, the actress, will be there. Kem, the <laughs> R&B star, will be performing. Uh, it'll be a lot of storytelling, music, laughs, audience interaction. Uh, the tickets are just $50, and they include an autographed copy of the book, of the book for free. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the money we make goes to charity. So if people want to get tickets, Ticketmaster.com or 1-800-745-3000. It's not like I haven't done this a few times. <laughs> uh, October 14th, 7 o'clock at the Opera House. Yeah, uh, it'll thanks, be a great Steve. event. Uh, thanks very much for being here. And Always good, good to see all you. Of that. All right, up next, this fall, Michiganders are going to vote on a ballot question over whether to legalize recreational marijuana. Next up, we're going to talk to an advocate for legalization. Stay with us on Detroit Today.